Hey, uh, we're here because it's a special day, but we're here because of what this day represents in each and every one of our lives or potentially in each and every one of our lives. Let me tell you a story of a college professor who put an assignment all out to his students to write about the most important person living. The term paper, they could pick whomever they wanted. They could go in any type, in any direction. They could write about it in any kind of form. But that was just the simple assignment. Find the person that you want to write about. It's the most important living person. One person took that upon themselves to write about Jesus. The professor kindly but yet firmly wrote back on the top of his paper and said, this is unacceptable. You'll have to redo it. Uh, that I said the most important living person of which the student went and talked to the professor and said, he is living and he is alive today. And it is no fictitious story that we tell, though I do understand how some might look at it with skeptical eyes. I do understand whenever you understand the brutality of what Jesus went through, when you understand the sufferings and you dive into that, uh, then you understand how it couldn't be true. There's no way that Jesus has risen from the dead, that maybe he fainted or some other excuse that we'll get to in a little bit. But whenever you study the crucifixion and you look at it from beginning to end and you see the number of lashes and the way in which Jesus was beaten, he could have easily died from blood loss. Whenever you understand, as I, this week, again, just rereading through the narrative of, of, of the crucifixion, was rereading whenever they placed the crown of thorns on their head. And it says in the scriptures, they, they took a reed and they beat it into his skull. And I, for the longest time, I, I don't know how many times I've read that story, but I just thought they put it on his head. But no, they beat it into his skull. He could have easily died from mere loss of blood. But then when you understand and you study the crucifixion and how it was an inhumane way to die, whenever you would, you would be hung on a cross, they position your body in such a way that your feet would be uh, nailed to the cross, your hands would be, your wrists would be nailed to the cross. And whenever you wanted to breathe, you would have to lift yourself up to breathe because the lungs would be collapsed around the ribcage. And you'd have to lift yourself up so that you'd be able to breathe for just a second to grasp a, gr- a bit of air. But in that lifting up, you're pressing against, against uh, steel, driven inside of your ankles, inside of your your wrists. And so it's a very painful, there's not a split second that goes by in a crucifixion that is even remotely at peace. When you think about the fact that he's a Roman, was killed by the Roman soldiers and he was buried in a grave for three days and pronounced dead, I do get it when a skeptic says that can't be. When the skeptic says that that cannot have happened, that that should not have happened, there's no way that that would have happened. I get it, and I get it whenever they, they come at that. And I would be there too if I didn't process through the faith in such a way. Let me give you some of the common uh, uh, misconceptions, some common excuses for why did Jesus, if he didn't rise from the dead, what happened to his body? Because here's one, one of the things that very few people will debate. Was Jesus a historical person? I have met atheists that will have to accept that Jesus was a historical person because we have more data, historical data on Jesus than we do on the Roman Empire in total. 
Think about that for just a moment. We have more history on Jesus being alive and existing on the earth. So don't doubt the historicity of Jesus. They may doubt the divinity of Jesus. In fact, many of them do because if they don't believe in God, then they wouldn't believe that Jesus is God. And so they have a problem. They call him a good teacher. And so therefore he died and probably several things could have happened. One is a hallucination. That he had some mourning believers and those believers were so broken hearted that in their dreams at night that they hallucinated and that they saw Jesus and oh, they were just grieving individuals. And they just came together and they created this story. That's one. The second one is that of that he swooned. That he just merely fainted on the cross. Again, let me tell you, you're insulting a Roman soldier to say that you didn't kill him, that the centurion soldier, the soldier of the soldiers who looked at him and identified him and said, this is surely the Son of God, the one who oversaw the spear that went into his side so that he would bleed from his lungs and into his heart. There's no way that Jesus just merely swooned. Another theory is that somebody stole his body. His disciples wanted to create this great movement, so they came in and stole his body. Again, look at the Roman Empire. They had multiple guards at a cave. The cave was sealed. It was something that was not going to be penetrated. It was impossible at that time and that hour for anybody in any way to take that body. So what is this story? Is it a hoax? Is it a fable that's grown over the years? I'm believing, and as if you've been with us through this series of messages, we've been dealing with what ifs. What if? Kind of approaching the faith from a skeptic's point of view. So first time with us, then you might want to go back and listen to those because you might be one of those skeptics, and that's okay. This is a safe place to process through your skepticism. But we're kind of at the end of this series, and we kind of of wrestled with it. And I, I was reminded as a few weeks ago, I was in Israel with a group from our church. I can remember going through this this Protestant tomb. I can remember going to this garden that I'd been to one other time 28 years ago. And I can remember sitting there and I can remember even this time breaking down emotionally, weeping inside this empty tomb. I even posted a photo on Instagram and seeing this ceramic tile verse put in there. I didn't notice it before. How many times have I read, read the book of Romans? I cannot tell you, but this is inscribed just outside the tomb. Jesus Christ declared with power to be the son of God by, how did he declare with power? By the resurrection from the dead. That Jesus Christ in his own resurrection proved to us that he is almighty God. So here, let's back up here and let's talk about what we've been talking about for several weeks to catch everyone up. We've been talking about basic question number one, is there absolute truth? That's a legitimate question. If you're here today and you're a skeptic or you wrestled with that, you're questioning yourself in this day of relativism, in this day of tolerance, in this day of political correctness, there is kind of this tendency to say everything is relative to you and you get to decide what truth is. Well, the problem with that is, is it leaves us in kind of this kind of state of just floating particles. If there's not something out there that's absolute, The truth in itself is the idea of something being absolute. And so we must have to believe that there must be absolute truth out there or otherwise we're just particles floating around. And one of these days our little particles will settle down to the dirt and and the earth and they will all go away. I have a higher view than that. 
of mankind and of reality. That I believe the truth is absolute. And we shared a verse uh, a number of times, and that's from John chapter 8, verse 32. And that, that the, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the whole concept there is that, that there is truth out there, that truth will set you free. But first of all, it presupposes that you know truth. And knowing is not a philosophy. Knowing is not an education. Knowing is a person. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is my, this is my hypothesis to you. You prove me wrong. That God is the standard of truth and truth is the measure of God. If you dive in to study truth, you will eventually come to God. And when you come to God, you will, in essence, know what truth is. And so to know truth, back on our verse, to know truth is to know God. And when you know God, you will be set free. Now, Jesus makes this statement about himself. It's not just some theory out there. He's actually making a statement about himself. So let's go back to our verse there. You will know the truth. You could insert Jesus there. You will know Jesus and Jesus will set you free. Do you know him today? Do you know him deeply? So then the second subsequent question to that is what if I don't believe in Jesus? Because some of y'all may be there. I'm going to accept that there's absolute truth out there and I'm on this journey to find truth and you're saying that truth is Jesus, but I'm not there yet. I get it. Then you will and I will, whomever that would be, we will be living under the decision that we've made. We will be living under the condemnation of that decision. And we read Romans, or John chapter 3 verse 8 a few weeks ago. I want us to look at it again. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. So literally what it's saying there is that, okay, if Jesus is truth, but I don't believe, and I believe in Jesus, then I'm not condemned. But if I don't believe in Jesus, I am condemned. We're condemning ourselves whenever we refuse to believe in Jesus. Jesus has come to set us free. Okay, okay, I can accept Jesus. I believe Jesus was a good man. I believe Jesus was a good teacher. I believe Jesus did miracles. But I don't know about this resurrection thing. If he was truly dead for three days, put in a grave, sealed up tight, cold, then if I don't believe in the resurrection, what do I have? If I don't believe in the resurrection, what is there out there? My challenge to you is if we don't have the resurrected Christ, our founder is cold and dead, and we have a dead faith just like every other faith out there. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. You can look through the lines of Joseph Smith. He's dead. You can go through every lines of every founder of every faith out there, and you'll find they're dead. And less and less and less, we believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. That makes Christianity quite unique. In fact, I'm going to say it to you like this. I'll say it again and again and again. Is that I will say this, is that the resurrection changes everything. In fact, it solidifies everything. Romans chapter 1 verse 4, we read it earlier. He declared by the Son of God in power, according to the uh, the Spirit of holiness, by His resurrection from the dead. So I want to propose to you again that Jesus Christ changes His resurrection changes everything. Take your Bibles. We find in the book of First Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look there in just a moment. I want to read to you from a man who for the longest time did not believe 
in the resurrection of Jesus, did not follow Jesus. He himself was a skeptic. His name is, was originally Saul. It was changed to Paul. So you're reading from a skeptic's mind. You're reading from a skeptic's letter. And he's writing to a church, to a group of believers in the city called Corinth. Corinth is in ancient Greece. Now, this city at this time was a relatively new city. It was a developing city. It was an up-and-coming city. It had great commerce. In fact, commerce is probably what drove the economy uh, of it all. It's just its ability to transport goods and, uh, uh, and, and items across uh, land and sea. But there was also great education. Also, there was, uh, there was the Olympics were, were found in, 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 in ancient Corinth. So you have a very thriving city. About 700,000 people are living in this city at this time. And in this city at this time, the, in this church at this time, there are people here, listen, 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 that are skeptical. Skeptical about the faith. And what does that mean and what does that look like? And I want to so pose to you today. Let's just say the resurrection didn't happen. What difference does that make? What does that do to us? There's five reasons I'm telling you I'm standing on this stage and I'm putting my bet on the resurrection happen. But there's five reasons for that, okay? That if the resurrection didn't happen, we're all in trouble. Here's number one reason is our faith in God is meaningless. Drop the mic. Let's all go home. Seriously, if there is no resurrection, if it didn't happen, then everything that I'm talking about it right here is, is, is null and void, literally void, literally in vain, literally empty. In fact, in a few weeks, we're going to have a, a series of messages. In fact, starting next week, in fact, all of April and even into May, we're going to be talking about relationships. And let me just say this. Even as we talk about relationships, we're going to be talking about them and the power of the resurrection that it has on our relationships. Next week and the next two weeks, we're going to have uh, an emphasis on step families and on, and Ron Deal's going to be coming on the uh, 10th and the 11th, and the, or excuse me, the 9th, 10th and 11th, and he's going to be sharing with us, but I'm kicking it off next week and talking about relationships, and we're going to tie all that together, but then that's going to come out of that series, and I'm going to be talking about living social. And what does that look like? in our day of social media and how the scripture has 55 times it tells us how to live with one another. So we're going to be looking at the one another's. But you know what? Let me just say this. Don't come. Don't come if you don't believe in the resurrection. Because really everything I have to say and everything that I'm talking about up here on stage, really, it doesn't mean anything. Take your Bibles and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. And if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So some of the people very much in that church on that day were not believing in the resurrection. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching, my talking, my teaching, all this that was going on right now and was happening with your children next door, all the teaching is in vain. It's empty. It's futile. It has no power. And your faith is in vain. Everything is empty. Everything is meaningless. Let's not talk about it anymore. Let's just go home. But or, 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 if the resurrection happened, it gives power and substance. It gives truth and meaning. It, it, has, it has a life-changing element to talk about relationships, to talk about sexuality. Yes, I said sex on Easter Sunday in, in, in big church. You can talk about that. Have you ever thought about how the resurrection might help your sex life? 
Save that thought for another day. But we're going to be talking about that in the days ahead. And how the reality is that every area of our life is affected by the resurrection or it's not if it didn't happen. It's all in vain. It's all empty. It's all meaningless. Listen, I'm standing before you today as well as every other preacher who ever preached in the Bible. Every, every message that was preached in the book of Acts, eight of them in total, every one of them includes a message about the resurrection. You can't get away from the resurrection because it changes everything. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says it like this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you don't believe in the resurrection, it's going to be really hard to be saved because the resurrection is what gives us life beyond the grave. Read this next verse out loud with me. Not only life beyond the grave, but life right here and now. He was delivered over to death. Read it with me. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification, making us right, right here and now. He helps fix the brokenness of our own life right here and now through the power of the resurrection. I have email files as you have email files. And over the past 15 years, I've collected a a lot of emails and starts and starting Grace Point. But there's one file that I have. I call it Member Keeper. If you ever break into my computer, you can go there, okay? And you can read these emails. But as you go to Member Keeper, I went back there this week because sometimes I have to be honest with you. Sometimes I wonder, are we doing any good here? Are we just doing this? I went to Member Keeper and I looked at several emails and I saw where there was one email that was sent to me and talked about a family who had lo- just lost their child and the loss of that child and what they were going through and how it was the message of this book that revolutionized their life. I read another one about how they grew up in a church where they were never told to read the Bible, never encouraged to read the Bible, but last year I gave everyone a 40-day challenge to read the Bible every day, at least a little bit, a chapter a day or something like that. And she wrote me this email about how God had changed her life in just 40 days of reading this book. I read another one about an email from a, from a family who was dealing with a child who had a drug addiction and how they were struggling with that drug addiction but how the promises of Scripture were pushing them, enabling them to get through. I read another email about a lady in our church who has a desire to bless and help displaced women in Ghana, West Africa and how God is inspiring her and working through her through the power of the resurrection. Let me tell you this again. The resurrection changes everything or it changes nothing. It's all empty. It's all void. It's all nothing. Number two, if the resurrection didn't happen, I'm a big fat liar up on the stage right now. Seriously, just ought to leave. I'm a hypocrite. Verse 15 says it like this. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. If the resurrection didn't happen, I'm up here selling you goods. I got some beachfront property in the Everglades of Florida I'm trying to sell you. Listen, it's not true. If the resurrection didn't happen, then listen, it's nothing that I'm saying is true. There's no weight to it. You ought to be reading your horoscopes and listening to Dr. Phil. If the resurrection didn't happen, but listen, I'm telling you this, I'm betting my life on it. 26 years in ministry, this is all I know how to do. This is all I want to do with my life. I'm smoking what I'm selling here, guys, okay, if you want to use that metaphor. 
This is real and it's life-changing. That's why I can't believe it was a hallucination that was going on. Because when you look up back at verse uh, 6, it says, And he appeared more to 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. 500 people at one time. Listen, it wasn't a handful of grieving disciples hallucinating. It was a resurrected Christ that they saw. Interesting, when you dive into people who debate the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ and how people approach it from a skeptic's point of view, but when they really dive into it, how it changes their life. I can talk about Lee Strobel and Josh McDowell and other people, but let me just tell you about Lord Darling. He was the chief justice of the high court of England. And after he dove into the resurrection, this is what he said. There exists such overwhelming evidence, positive and negative, factual and circumstantial, that no intelligent jury in the world could fail to bring a verdict that the resurrection story is true. I'm not lying. This has happened. How is it changing you? How is the resurrection changing you? Which brings me to number three. If the resurrection didn't happen, all of our sins, they continue to stain us and constrain us. Verse 17 says, you are still in your sins. John chapter 8, verse 24, same passage we read from earlier. It says, unless you believe that I am the one who died for you, you're still in your sins. You're still locked down. You're still not free. The truth will set you free. But you've got to know the truth. Who's the truth? The truth is Jesus. Again, I don't want to go back to that, that, that line of logic again, but here, here it is. And the resurrection is that key to unlock the stained garment of sin that, that has us all. But if we choose not to believe, we live in a condemned state. To walk around in a condemned state. Let me tell you a story that some of y'all remember. Some of y'all were kids when the Columbia space shuttle exploded in 2003. Some of y'all were kids in school. I can remember when the first space shuttle exploded. I was in school. It was interesting whenever they dove into how and why and how could they have prevented it happen and all that kind of stuff. And you, you remember the story maybe, but there was, a, there was actually a heat-resistant shield that kind of got damaged in, in, in takeoff. And, and when it got damaged in takeoff, it was able to make it into outer space, but it was not able to return safely. And, secure, and they didn't notice it until they went back and watched old films and they diagnosed every little thing that something had happened and knocked off one of those heat-resistant panels. So therefore, when it re-entered into the atmosphere, it exploded. It was a horrible story. When they went back and they looked at it, they said, what if we had found out, what if we watched the video footage, could we, could we have saved them? And everything about, it was a perfect, horrible storm that came together. Could they have gone to the space station and, and kind of docked there and been able to? No, because they didn't have enough fuel. Could they have maybe done their own spacewalk and, and fixed it with their own tools and maybe been able to, to, to restore the broken? No, because they didn't have the equipment necessary to do spacewalk on this trip. It was a very quick trip to space and back. Well, could they have maybe sent another space shuttle up and connected and then they sent them back on the, on, on, the, on the new space shuttle? No, because even though this space shuttle had everything new on it, it did not have, it was a bare minimum mission, it did not have the ability to connect with another space shuttle. When you broke down every possible way of saving these astronauts, there was no way. They were all doomed to death. 
What a sad tale to know that you go through life, you carry out your mission, doomed to death. But if there's no resurrection, we are all carrying out our mission, doomed to death. But if there is a resurrection, there is hope. Number four is our death ends with destruction if there's no resurrection. Verse 18 says it like this. Then there arose, uh, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Listen, there's nobody standing before God right now. God the Father sent God the Son to earth so that we would have somebody who would pay for our sins, set us free, and then would would resurrect from the grave, ascend into heaven to prepare a place for us, and then to sit at the right hand of God and to give advocacy for us, even though Satan is giving his adversarial role, that Jesus would give advocacy for us, that yes, Mike McDaniel, his life is a mess. He has sinned so many times, but he's a follower of me. He's given himself to following me, and yes, Yes, I have redeemed him. I've paid for his sins. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, he's not sitting at the right hand of the throne and we're all in trouble. Number five, if there's no resurrection, as mankind, as humankind, we're to be pitied. We're to be pitied. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope, in this life only. If this is all we have, if this is all we have, we're pitiful. We are all people most to be pitied. Yes, some people, many people, they may say they believe in the resurrection, but they live as if there isn't one because the resurrection isn't changing their life. They're living as if there's no resurrection. In fact, Paul goes on in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 32, and he says this, if the dead are not raised, if there's no resurrection, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Live it up, party life, live it to the hilt, if there's no resurrection. Some people live as if there's no resurrection. I want you to listen to this story of this lady and the life that she lived, a hedonistic lifestyle, until she understood the power of the resurrection. I wasn't born into a faith. Um, I wasn't brought up in a belief. I wasn't even christened. Uh, My parents, perhaps because they didn't have a faith or belief, wanted me to find my own way, find out who I was. I didn't really start looking seriously for um, a faith until I was 25. Uh, and that took me on a journey of five years before I did find the answers. I was trained as a dancer, uh, brought up in the north of England. At the age of 19, I moved down to London for work. Um, as a singer-dancer actress, you find yourself living and working in theatres, um, live venues, bars and nightclubs. This kind of lifestyle, a very hedonistic lifestyle, Um, offered temptations of all kinds, um, of which I did get caught up in. By the age of 25, after living this kind of lifestyle um, and getting caught up in a lot of dark places, I really started to question my life, um, who I was. I was not fulfilled, and I thought there's more to life um, than this. So I started searching for God uh, down a lot of different avenues, Um, faiths and beliefs 
such as the occult, New Age, Buddhism, uh, Hinduism. Uh, I didn't find God. I was nowhere close. I found gods and faith, but uh, in fact, I ended up more frustrated, angry, uh, and angry than ever before. So one night, uh, when I was about 30, I just screamed, I cried out to God, and I said, if you're there, and if you're real, show yourself to me. Because, you know, I've had it. I'm at the end of my road. At this point, I was really suffering with depression. I was having suicidal thoughts in my darkest moments. And I just had enough of this. Um, So I wanted to find the truth. And it was very simply um, through a friend of mine who invited me to her Christian church. Uh, So I went. And this was the start of um, God really intervening into my life. It was very slow, but slowly I was changing and my eyes were just opened to a whole new understanding. Uh, What really made him real for me was his love and his um, forgiveness. And then I was able to love and forgive um, and my life changed and um, I'm fulfilled and I have a purpose, I know who I am. I can seriously say that I was very lost, um, but now I'm found. The resurrection changes everything, or it changes nothing. And a lot of us will have to determine whether we're going to allow the resurrection of Christ to literally change our relationships, change our lives, change the way we do business, change the way we parent, change the way we think, change the way we emote, or if we just take the resurrection and we put it on the shelf and call it a holiday. And really what we do is we take a holiday from God the rest of the year. I pray to God that the resurrection is changing your life. It will give you freedom. It will give you life. It will give you hope. If you don't know Christ today, right where you're at, you can just cry out to Him. You can just bow your heads and you can just pray, God, I give myself to you. I don't even know fully what that is, but like the story just was, was shared, I've tried it all. It's just left me angry and empty. I want you, Jesus, fully and completely to have full and complete authority in my life. You tell him that in your own words. Let him become that bedrock, that cornerstone on which you build the rest of your life. Let's pray together. Father God, you are beautiful. Your resurrection is transformative in every way of our lives if we allow it to. Allow it to change our marriage. Allow it to change our outlook. Allow the resurrection to change our habits and free us from our hang-ups. Allow the resurrection, power of God through Jesus Christ to change our life. Become our cornerstone that we can build our life on give ourselves to you now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Would you sing with us?